All right, my friends, before we get into today's Live Inspired podcast, something cool that is happening more frequently going forward is that as I prepare to share my story on stages, I'm not known to that audience as a speaker, and I'm not known usually to that audience as an author. Instead, a whole lot of the ladies and gentlemen in the room are already following me and our work through the Live Inspired podcast. They're listening, in other words, to this voice right now through their own channels. Very cool. We've had more than a million downloads, as you know. It's a top 20 iTunes show, as you may know, which is very cool. But it also means that a whole lot of ladies and gentlemen are unaware of my number one national best-selling book. It's where I encapsulate in so many regards, the best of our story. It's called On Fire. It's a worthy read. It's been celebrated by Brene Brown and Dave Ramsey, Joe Buck, a whole lot of other luminaries who have talked about the impact of this book in their lives. It also has received more than 1,500 five-star reviews online that has very little to do with this guy's voice or the man who wrote it and everything to do with the reader with the impact in the reader's life and ultimately what it does for us professionally, what it does for us relationally, spiritually, relationally, and in every aspect of our life that actually matters. It's called On Fire. It is available. But rather than sending you to your nearby bookstore today, what I'm encouraging you to do right now is to let your fingers do the walk and come on over to johnolearyinspires.com forward slash free. This is a gift. I want you to be able to check out the first two chapters of On Fire. So come on over to visit me right now at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash free. And if you want to share this story, share this book with your friends, with your family, with your clients or contacts this holiday season, awesome. I think with all the divisions going on around us in our community, with all the reasons for fear and trepidation and anxiety and and nervousness looking forward, why not share a message about love and hope and faith and possibility and the truth that the best is yet to come? You can learn more at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash free. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Thank you, Joe. And hello, my friends. Thrilled to have you with us on this Live Inspired with John O'Leary podcast. As you know now, on every one of our podcasts, we bring you amazing guests to discuss their life story so that you can better understand and most effectively and fully live out your life story. Well, today we introduce you to Tanya Dalton. She is a productivity expert, writer, speaker, and she's also the founder of Inkwell Press. We're gonna be talking about what that business is all about and the impact of Inkwell. Not just about doing more though. We're gonna be talking about what's really important and what we can really ultimately do in the lives that we have in front of us. We'll talk a little bit, not only about her life story, but also what she's learned about productivity, what it means to you. We might even discuss things like why you need to do less in order to produce more. We might talk a little bit around how balance is bogus. Why are we addicted to yes? It may be a better answer instead. And we might even talk a little bit about everybody's favorite four-letter word. You know what I'm talking about, busy. 
That's exactly right, busy. We're gonna be talking about the four-letter word busy. There's a lot to discuss today, so let's get right into it. I'd like you right now to open up your hearts, your minds, open up your journals wide as we bring on our newest friend, Tanya Dalton. Tanya, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, and I have had the great pleasure of spending some time with you already before this podcast. For those who aren't yet familiar familiar with you, talk a little bit about your your work and your life today. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm a productivity expert, but I talk about productivity in a very different way than a lot of experts do. Uh, I really believe that productivity is not about doing more. It's about doing what is most important. And at its heart, it's really about intentional living. It's about understanding what your priorities are and really clarifying your life so that you're living with those priorities sitting front and center every single day of your life. Mm. So not cramming our days full, but really leaving that space to breathe and to enjoy those moments that we have with those people and those activities that we really love. Tanya, that's awesome. And uh, I'm hoping not only am I the one taking notes right now, but all of our listeners right now are taking <laughs> notes on what this means as we race from carpool line to carpool line and from work meeting mm-hmm. to workout meeting, because life gets very busy. And you're going to help us today be more effective and intentional in how we spend our minutes and how we utilize our days. Let's talk, though, not about what, what it looks like today, but I want to back the truck way up to your childhood. Where were you born and what was life like for you as a little one? That's a great question because, um, well, technically I was born in Louisiana, but I moved 11 times before I was 18. So I was the new kid at junior high three different times. (laughs) Always an easy transition. (laughs) Right. I mean, junior high is such an easy time in everyone's life. So Mm -hmm. being the new kid is, you know, such a joy. So I think that's the thing that really is different about my upbringing is that because we moved so many times and we moved all over the United States, we lived twice in uh, Europe as well. Um, I always, you know, I was always a new kid mm. and I always had to rely on my family and myself to really make my way. I couldn't just rely, you know, rest on my laurels of, oh, you've known me since kindergarten. Every time we moved, I had to reinvent myself. I had to reintroduce myself. And so I think that's the thing that, that really did help me though growing up I was always aware of these choices that I had. I had a choice every time I went to a new school of how I wanted to present myself, who I wanted to spend time with. And um, I knew that the time I had with those people was very precious because I knew I'd only be living there maybe two years, maybe three years. But uh, so it really was about maximizing that time. And I, I feel like I learned those lessons very early because of that. Tanya, did that make you as a child uh, more confident in who you were, or did it make you actually more uh, capable of being a chameleon and fitting in in any group anytime you wanted? I think it made me feel more confident with who I was. I think because of the um, you know constant moving, I had to have some sort of center for myself of who I was and the strength of, of who I was um, with my family and my family unit. And so I think that really is what what made a difference for me is is understanding who I was. I didn't want to change each mm-hmm. time I moved. I wanted to stay true to who, who I was at my core. Um, and sometimes that's hard, especially when you're in the new kid three times no in doubt. junior high. Uh, no one knows who they are at that point. Uh, but I, I think that people often ask me, like, was that hard growing up? 
And to be honest with you, the, the easy answer here is I don't know because I didn't know any other life. To me, the idea of living in one place and growing up for the first 18 years in one house, that seems so foreign mm-hmm. to me um, that I can't imagine that. Even though, you know, that it's very similar to how my kids are being raised. We've moved a time or two, but, you know, they've had much longer stretches than I ever did. Uh, so, so it wasn't that it was hard necessarily. It just was different, I think, than what most people experience. You know, when it's that different and that easy or hard, depending on how you want to look at it, you have to have a, uh, a strong bond, not only with your family, but probably with, with one individual. Was there a sibling or a parent or a grandparent or a teacher that you felt in particularly close and influenced by? Yeah, you know, my family unit as a whole is really close. I'm, I'm really close with uh, both of my parents. Uh, actually, after we moved to Asheville, North Carolina, which is where we live now, my parents ended up moving out here along with me uh, because they loved it so much. And, and we do like spending time together. So I think having, you know, somebody who is a constant in your life, and in that case, you know, it was my family. I think that makes a difference. It's, it's nice to have um, what I would call like an anchor, mm-hmm. someone or, or a group of people who, who really anchor you and remind you of who you are at your core. What would you say to those of us who feel like we have no anchor? How, how do you go about midstream through life, halfway through, and we're, we want to be second half champions of discovering or um, discerning anchors that maybe weren't there for us to this point, but maybe could be going forward? It is hard when you don't feel like you have those anchors. It's that feeling of, of floating that we sometimes get, you know, when we, we're not sure what direction to go in and we're just kind of floating the way that the current takes us. Uh, and so it can be really hard if you don't feel like you have those anchors, either in people or in yourself or, or in activities or, or whatever that is. It doesn't have to be a person per se. It could be a place. It can be, it can be like I said, an activity. Uh, but I think really the first step in really finding your anchors is giving yourself that space to discover it. Mm. I think that the, uh, the concept of discovery, especially discovery of things that are important to us, is undervalued. In the busyness and the hecticness of our days, we feel like that's such a luxury to give ourselves that white space or that, that space to really allow your brain to explore and play. And I think that it's really such an important thing to do for ourselves. To take the time to really reflect and think about what is important to you. Um, That's one of the things that I I lead people through when I'm talking to them about productivity. Because to me, one of the things that's most important about productivity systems is that they're customized to you. Mm -hmm. Too often... Too often we have these productivity systems that these experts tell us about, and we're trying to conform our life around it. And I think it should be the opposite. I think our life should be at the center, and the systems need to work around them. And you have to discover for yourself what it is that is important to you in order to create these systems. So giving yourself that space to really explore and and look at your life and what you want to do is really important. I know we talked on my show about the importance of choice. That is a choice to spend some time and to invest in yourself by giving yourself that space to to really think about what it is you want to do and how you want to spend your time and who are the who are the people who are most important to you. You know, I, I know we've all had pretty major inflection points in our life and looking back and on mm-hmm. these little moments and sometimes huge moments change what happens 
during the rest of our lives. One of yours, I understand, is when you began your, your first business. How, how did you, yes. Tanya, make that decision that, yes, I'm, I'm going to go off on my own and start this thing? Well, it's a good question because you're right. It's sometimes these decisions that completely change the trajectory of where you're going. Because I was a teacher in my previous life, and then I had children, and I thought I would be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, because that's what my mom had been. And so I thought that that was kind of the life that was I was destined for. Well, my husband was working for Fortune 500 companies. He was traveling the world. He would leave our home in Dallas, Texas, and he would leave and he would fly all the way around the globe, literally coming back on the other side. So he would be gone for three, four weeks at a time. And um, while he was on one of these trips, I, um, I decided I was going to start a little business to give myself something to do. So I started it with 50 bucks. And I started selling jewelry to friends. And um, I was enjoying that. It was one of those things. It was a little side business. But one day, while my husband was on the other side of the planet, he and I had a conversation. And we got on the phone. And I remember that my kids were playing in the backyard. And I was looking at them playing in the backyard. And I was telling him about all the things that were going on in our days. And he got really quiet. Hmm. And my husband's a pretty quiet guy by nature, but he was really quiet. So I asked him, I said, you know, what's, what's wrong? And he said, I'm, I'm missing everything. And I said, no, you're not. You're not. And he said, no, I'm missing all the milestones. I'm missing the moments with the kids. And I tried to put his mind at ease. But when I hung up the phone with him that night, I literally stood in my kitchen and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to take this business where I'm selling to friends, maybe friends of friends. And I'm going to grow this business to the point where he could quit working in corporate America and come and work alongside of me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grow this business, even though I have no business experience, I have no knowledge of what I need to do. I'm going to figure this out. So I made a choice standing in my kitchen that I was going to do that. And about a year later, my husband was able to come and work alongside me. And we have been working together ever since. He uh, now works with me as my CMO. I'm the CEO of my company. And we literally sit across the desk from each other. Our desks butt up against each other. We're together 26 hours a day. <laughs> which That's works entirely well too much us. time to be with one human being, in particular <laughs> if they're a spouse. Right? Uh, but it totally works for us. And so, <laughs> you know, it's funny now because John will say to me, my husband John will say, I can't believe you ever thought you were going to be a stay-at-home mom because I absolutely love what I do. I love business. I love I love what I create for people. I love mm. the impact I'm able to make. Um, so it's funny that that choice I just made standing in my kitchen right. completely changed not just my life, but the life of my husband, the life of my children, and now, you know, impacting the lives of other people as well. So um, it really is an amazing thing, that power of choice. And I think not only the power of choice, but the power of a meaning bigger than the choice itself. And so if you said, how can I make $100,000 so I can buy myself a pool and a pretty dress? you probably fail. But with the commitment, how mm -hmm. do I create something with using the best of my facilities so that my husband doesn't have to miss everything that we can do this thing together and touch people's lives in the process? It's almost impossible to fail. So I think the power of your why mm -hmm. in all of that is is uh, core to why it's been as successful as it has. So that, that's just a cool story. Talk about November, 2014, Inkwell. What, what is Inkwell Press? So Inkwell Press is a company we really focused on um, women understand productivity, as I mentioned, with that intentional living, really helping to empower them through productivity to live their best life. I feel like so many people push aside their goals and their dreams because they are so busy or they're taking care of their kids or they're 
they're doing things all day long and they keep pushing aside their big goals and their dreams. And then they go to bed at night and they feel unsatisfied, unsuccessful and unhappy. And so I think that life is way too short for that. I feel like life is meant to be pursued, to really enjoy every single day as it comes and to live your life to its fullest. And so when I created Inkwell Press, it really was this marriage of three things that I'm truly passionate about. I used to be a teacher, so I'm very passionate about education. Uh, We kind of touched on this um, on my podcast where, you know, when you're a teacher, you almost can't help yourself. You're Mm -hmm. always teaching. So (laughs) I find myself teaching in moments I don't even mean to teach. Um, I was, I'm really passionate about empowering women. I was doing a lot of small business consulting and teaching other women how to grow their businesses. So I had this teaching, I had the empowerment of women, and then I had this idea of productivity because having this productivity in my life is what allowed me to create this lifestyle for myself where my husband does work with me and work alongside of me. So I wanted to take these three things and I wanted to marry them together into one. And that is what became Inkwell Press. So we teach people how to live productive lives and we create tools um, and we create training for them. So we have courses, we have a podcast. Uh, I sell tools like, uh, you know, planners, daily planners, Mm -hmm. weekly planners in order to help facilitate the best life that you can possibly have. And because education is such an important part of what I do, when you purchase a planner from us, it comes with a series of videos to walk you through not just how to set up the planner, but how to understand what your best life looks like, mm-hmm. how to be more productive and really create those systems for yourself. You know, it's become fabulously successful. Has, has the success you've achieved organizationally surprised you? I would say yes and no. It, it has been such a beautiful surprise because to be honest with you, when I made the decision to close my, my first business, the business that I grew to bring my husband on board, that was a scary time for us. Because uh, that business paid our mortgage, it paid our bills, it's what allows our kids to eat the three meals a day that they Mm -hmm. require. Because they do like to be fed three times a day. Even if I don't want to, they still want to be fed. And so that was a scary time. And, And when I made that decision, that I really wanted to do something that made more of an impact and that really fulfilled me and made me feel passionate every day, that was scary. And I, I remember telling people that either it would be really successful or we'd be living in our car under a bridge. <laughs> and there was a little bit of truth to that. It was a little bit scary. But I do think the reason why Inkwell Press has been so successful is that I am so passionate about it. I absolutely, 100% love what I do. I don't ever, you know, and I'm not going to be one of those people who says, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life because there are days that feel like work, but at the heart of it, I love it. You know, not every day is sunshine and lollipops, but I love what I do and it totally fulfills me. And I think that that passion I have for it really shines through. It makes me want to drive harder and it makes me want to, to keep, keep, keep innovating and keep designing. Tanya, as I was learning more and more about your work and and, uh, what it really represents, there were a few notes that I had noted down I wanted to ask you specifically about because I think the points you're making around this need to be shared with me and uh, all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. So talk about this. Why you need to do less in order to produce more? Well, this is the thing that I think is so interesting is we feel like opportunity only knocks once. 
And so we're so afraid not to open that door up every single time that it comes knocking, right? Mm -hmm. And so we open the door again and again and again, and we open it up oftentimes to things that we're not truly passionate about or things that we don't truly love, things that we feel more obligated to do than anything else. And yet we take these on to ourselves and we we cram them into our day. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we end up not having room for the things we truly do love. Because every time that we say yes, we're saying no to something else. Right. And we don't realize that. You know, in our in our heart of hearts, we, we love to give. And we love for, for people to be happy when we say yes with our time. But we, we, we forget that when we're saying yes to these opportunities, we're saying no to time with our family. Time focused on our own passion projects. Time spent on our goals and things like that. And I think that we often lose sight of that in trying to look out for everyone else's happiness. We often put ourselves at the bottom of that people-pleasing list. But I think, too, there's this obligation in today's world to really have a full day, to feel busy. And if you don't feel busy, you feel like you're failing and you worry that maybe I'm not doing enough. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, what's really interesting is that when we cut out opportunities, we allow space for the things that we truly love to flourish and grow. Um, I'd love to give an example of this just mm-hmm. from um, everyday life. Um, Steve Jobs, I think, was the master at cutting. Uh, we all know that Steve Jobs started Apple and then got pushed out. But when Steve Jobs came back to Apple in 1997, they were over a billion dollars in debt. And Steve Jobs came in, and the first thing he did was he cut out 70% of what they were working on. So these are projects and innovations, projects that things that were on the shelf, things that were almost, you know, almost to the shelf, mm-hmm. cut out 70%. And by cutting 70% of what they were producing, they went from a deficit of over a billion dollars to profits of about $300 million. We think that in order to grow, we have to add. Oftentimes, if we cut, that allows us the space to really create what's amazing and to spend our time pouring into the fewer things that are truly important. And that's what allows us to grow. What would you say to those of us who are listening right now thinking, yes, uh, but I'm no Steve Jobs. I'm not an executive at Apple. I'm barely <laughs> yep. managing my insurance deal, my real estate brokerage, my whatever yep. the role may be. And after I leave, I sprint to get the kids I drop them off after driving them through a, a drive-through. We don't make eye contact. We're not belly to belly. We don't have time for it because everybody's so busy. And I don't know how to get clear on how to produce more when I'm doing so much with what I've already got. So how, how do we slow down long enough to actually do the stuff that matters with those that matter most? Mm-hmm. I think we often confuse urgent with important. We think that they're interchangeable and we think they're the same. And so we often end up spending our day dealing with these urgent fires. Uh, And many times those urgent fires aren't really things that are important to us. Urgency only relates to time. It only means that there is a tight deadline coming up. Important items are generally tied to your mission and your vision in life. They're tied to your goals. They're tied to the things that are essential to you. And In the pursuit of trying to do everything, we end up spending a lot of our time on these urgent matters instead of really focusing on what really matters the most. I think a lot of times 
we in that whole idea of not wanting to miss out on anything and not wanting to miss out on any opportunities, we cram our day so full, we don't realize that we are choosing that life for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are we are actively making a choice to have a packed schedule. Um, you know, when you enroll your kids in soccer, you know, travel say travel soccer mm-hmm. and violin and math tutoring and you know, uh, let's say Mandarin lessons and you are choosing to fill that day. You are making that choice. And oftentimes we don't stop to say, hey, kids, is this what you want to do? And we don't stop to say, hey, self, is this what I want to do? Is this how I want to spend my time? We feel obligated to keep up because that's what everyone else is doing. And this is simply a story that we tell ourselves. We don't want our kids, we don't want ourselves to miss out on anything so if I do it all, I can, I can do it. I can, I can have everything. In the pursuit of everything, we end up with nothing. And I think that's really important for us to know that when you're creating these opportunities, like you said, we're, you know, we're not having time to be face-to-face with our kids, to be belly-to-belly. And um, when we're, we're running around to all these activities, is that, is that really what's important to you? Or is it truly the time you spend with your kids that you're really wanting? Is it really, you know, important for them to be enrolled in 17 different activities or would you rather really just have that time to have a conversation with them and to dive deeper into those relationships? I think we forget about the fact that relationships are really built on conversations and we need to make time for those um, with our children, with our spouses, with our partners, with our friends and really deepen those connections. And and we're, we're so busy running around, we forget to make time for mm-hmm. that. It feels like it's unschedulable. We don't have time for it. And so we push it aside, even though in our heart of hearts, that is what is truly important to us. Tanya, you, you've uh, you've shared something else that kind of surprised me, but that I agree with, by the way. I was at a, a conference recently where a few executives were on the podium being interviewed by uh, an MC, And the question was, what has led you to be as successful as you are? And you, see, you know, all the ego in the room now steps forward and they're bragging about what allows these primarily, primarily men in this setting to be as successful as they are. And one of the guys said, because I'm incredibly disciplined. And then he walked through how incredibly <laughs> disciplined he's been and why he's so successful because of that. And discipline's a beautiful thing. But you say discipline is a myth. Tell me why you say that mm-hmm. and what, what should we replace discipline with? Well, Let's be honest. Let's think about that word discipline and really like, you know, what that entails. And it sounds good, right? It sounds really good to live a disciplined life. But think about what that really looks like. Is that really the life that you want to get up in the morning and live? A highly disciplined life where you're not really spending time on the things you enjoy. You're just doing it because you're disciplined. Um, I really don't think that discipline exists at all. Uh, for most people, it's really just very carefully curated habits. Habits are the key to really making yourself look disciplined. Um, you know, every day we operate using habits and we don't even realize it. But Duke University uh, released a study where they discovered about 40 to 45 percent of the actions we do every single day are habits. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this. Think about getting dressed in the morning. Think about when you were younger, let's say when you were like four years old and you had to dress yourself. Think about how much work that was, how you had to think about 
putting your legs in the pants and pulling the pants up and maybe, you know, zipping up the zipper and then sitting down, putting on your shoes. It was a lot of work. There was a lot of, you know, your tongue sticking out between your teeth because you had to concentrate so much. But if you think about how you get dressed now, it's no big deal. You can carry on a conversation. You can talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. You can you can watch television. That's because getting dressed, putting on your clothes has become a habit. As a matter of fact, one interesting fact is that when you're putting on your pants, every single time you put in the same leg first. Right foot. You probably don't realize it, but you do. You're, you're, you put in that same leg first. I do, yes. Because it's a habit. Uh-huh. Uh, and everybody does. It's the same thing with your morning routine. It's just a series of habits that follow one after another. We don't have to think about, okay, I have to brush my teeth and this is how I brush my teeth. Okay, I have to put on deodorant. This is how I put on. We don't think about it because they've become habits. So what we can do is we can harness this power of habits and really allow ourselves to create some intentional habits. If, uh, you know, journaling is one of the things that's really important to you, create a habit where that's something that you do in the morning. You know, make your mornings And make your evenings as well feel very intentional without having to worry about thinking so much about it. Mm -hmm. Our brain is, um, our brain takes up one fiftieth of our body, but it burns one fifth of our calories. So all day long, our brain is burning calories. So it loves to conserve calories whenever it can. That is why at the end of a long workday, oftentimes you feel just brain dead. Mm. That's decision fatigue setting in. Your brain is out of calories. It is done making decisions. That's why we're more likely to cheat on our diet at the end of the day, right? Or to make a bad choice when we're shopping at the end of the shopping trip. That's because decision fatigue has set in. We want to really maximize our calories that our brain is burning on the big important things. Not the little minutia in our day. We really want to focus on what's important. So if you harness the power of these habits, and you build them so that they really are intentional, it can make a huge difference because you're no longer wasting calories that your brain can be burning. You're really spending those calories on where you want to spend it. And that, I think, is one of the biggest secrets with productivity. That's an awesome answer. Tanya, when you work with the clients, whether they're on your podcast or they're buying your programs, what do you hope they walk walk away with? What What's the gift, ultimately, that you're providing those that utilize your services? Truly, I'm looking for them to be happy. I think there's not much more in life than happiness. And I think too often we don't feel happy because we are spending our days not really doing what matters most to us, but doing what we think we're supposed to do. So when I'm walking people through programs or when I'm talking to them through the podcast, what I'm looking for is for them to end each day feeling satisfied. I feel like far too many people in their day feeling like, I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not how we want to end our days, especially when you've been running around busy all day long. That is the worst feeling to feel like you could have done more. And I think far too many people end their day feeling that way. And so my job is to help empower people to feel at the end of the day like they did enough, like they lived the life they really wanted to live. And I think when I help people accomplish that, that to me is the, the greatest gift of all, that, that I'm able to to empower people to, to feel that way. What would you say to our listeners right now thinking that they are stuck doing the urgent, that uh, the discipline structure is not working for them, their habits are lousy, 
that they can't get it all done with the amount of time they have and that they're not really happy with who they are and where they've been and where they think they're going next. For those of us in that rut right now, and I think we all go there from time to time, mm-hmm. what uh, yeah. encouragement or what clear next step might you have for them? That's a great question. And I think that, especially for listeners who feel like they are in a low, I think it's important to remember that we all have high seasons and we all have low seasons. Life ebbs and flows like everything else. And so, um, I mean, I, we can both speak of having very low seasons where it feels dark and it feels like, you know, happiness is a really hard choice to make. Um, but remember that the lightness always comes after the darkness. And I think that's really important to know. But I think that one of the things that really can help is taking a moment and really stepping outside of yourself and taking a good hard look at your life and looking at where you are spending your time. I think there is a lot of power in tracking our time Mm -hmm. and paying attention to where our time is going. You know, a lot of times we, we feel like we don't have time. If you start tracking your time and you start realizing, you know what, I'm picking up my phone an awful lot. I'm spending five minutes here, five minutes there. Before you know it, you've spent 45 minutes just mindlessly scrolling through social media. You start tracking your time, you'll realize, wow, I'm spending 45 minutes doing you know, something I don't really want to do, if I take that 45 minutes and I spend it on something I truly am passionate about, how would that make me end my day? And you'll find that that helps you feel a lot happier. So I would really start tracking your time and paying attention to where you are spending your moments. Your, your, it's the in-between moments oftentimes that we get caught in where, where it is the, the mindless scrolling of the phone or just what binge watching a TV show or doing those kinds of things that feel good in the moment, but they don't really contribute to who we really want to be and, and the path that we want to lead ourselves down. What's one thing that you do every day that really gets you moving forward habitually in the right direction? I really think that having a good morning routine makes a big difference. Um, you know, as I mentioned a routine is essentially habits, one that just springboard into the next. And I use words like springboard a lot because I think there's a lot of momentum in that and moving yourself forward. For me, I generally, um, I've, I'm writing a book right now. I have a book that's coming out next year. And so I'm, I've been making a choice to get up very early in the morning. I'm not a morning person, but I get up around 4.30 in the morning and I spend 10 minutes on spiritual time. So that's time for me to pray and to meditate. And then I um, go and I have a glass of water and I find that that really makes a big difference in how I feel um, starting my day with 16 ounces of water to hydrate my body. And then I go out and I start writing and I give myself that gift of about, about an hour and 20 minutes or so to really write without any distractions, without any interruptions. The whole house is quiet. And I'm able to really dive into my book and then I'm able to close it up, go spend some time with my kids, waking them up and start my day on the right note. Mm. And I think there is so much happiness when we start our day doing something that feels satisfying. Already at the start of my day, by the time my kids have woken up, I have written in my book, which I'm really excited about. I've already gotten 25% of the way to my water bowls by having 16 ounces of water. I've already spent time on spiritual things that are important to me. And so my day already feels centered. From the moment I'm up and moving, it already feels centered. I've already done things for myself that feel like priorities for me. 
Tanya, I love it. And like you, I'm really not a morning person, but I have mm-hmm. a pretty simple goal to watch the sunrise every day, to uh, have a cup of coffee typically in hand. I've already had water at that point, to have a journal in hand and to be wide open to what the next day is gonna bring. And although I'm sometimes extremely tired while the sun begins mm-hmm. to push back the darkness, if you can start your day before the day starts rocking you, it's amazing how you can own mm-hmm. what takes place next. I think that's so true. And you're right. You know, as a fellow non-morning person, there are times where I get up and I think, oh my gosh, I am so tired. But I have yet to be, to feel, you know, I, I feel so grateful by the time that it's time for me to get up, you know, my kids going and getting the day going. I'm so grateful for that time that every day it feels worth it. Tanya Dalton, we have uh, loved speaking with you. We've asked seven questions of every one of our our guests to this point. We want to make sure we ask you the same Live Inspired Seven. The first question is this. What is the best book you've ever read? Ooh. Fiction or nonfiction? Yes. Oh, yes. I like, I like your, I like your I very general. Uh, false. Yes. Did I get it right, TJ? No. no, truly either <laughs> yeah. one, whatever, whichever one speaks to you first. There are absolutely no wrong answers during these seven. Um, well, I, I'm an English major, and so I love the book Jane Eyre. It's a book that I go back and I read every year just mm. because I feel like that brings me back to my um, my English roots. Um, and because I, I love writing, I think that uh, it just ties me back to that. So that's, that is one of my favorite books. That's perfect. All right, former teacher, what is one positive <laughs> characteristic, one trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you exhibited and possessed as brightly today? Mm. You know, it's, it's something I see in my daughter and I think to myself, oh my gosh, I hope she never loses it. It's that, that feeling of self-confidence where you just don't care what anyone thinks. She walks out of this house and she wears what she wants to wear, and she rocks it and feels so confident. And I think, gosh, I wish I still had that. I'd love to snatch a little bit of that away from her and give it to myself, but not really, because I, I, I love that she has that, and I really hope to foster that in her, even into adulthood. That's awesome. If your home caught fire, and that daughter, and your kids, and your spouse, and all the animals are out safe, and you have an opportunity to run into that burning house and grab one item that really does matter to you, what one thing would you grab, Tanya? Oh, that is such a good question. I love that question because it that boils down to priorities, right? It does. Um, it really does, which is what I talk about all the time. Uh, you know, I have some um, I have some pictures from my uh, from my wedding that are really meaningful to me, and uh, pictures from when my kids were born. I think those are really really important to me. Tanya, if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach or in your case, a mountain on a gorgeous mm-hmm. day and have a long conversation with anyone living or dead, who would you want to have that, that nice long visit with? My husband. I, 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 I really just, uh, my husband and I, like I said, are together all the time, but I, uh, I, I find that, that the conversations we have, even though we've been together now 20 years, just keep getting better and better. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are so happy with the way that we live our lives. Um, So if I could choose just one person in the whole wide world to spend a day with, I would choose him. (laughs) Well, make sure he listens to this because that is awesome. (laughs) 
what is the best yeah, advice? I'll that, make sure. I'll make sure. Yeah, do. What, what's the best advice that he or anyone else has ever given you? To be yourself. To be true to who you are and to never lose sight of that. Um, to really, you know, hold fast to the things that are really important to you. And that really includes your values and your morals and your ethics. Um, I don't think I could ever run a business or do, you know, a project or do anything that I wasn't 100% proud of. Mm. Um, I love, I love the feeling of going to bed at night and feeling proud of what I do. Tanya, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Mm. What would I tell my 20 year old self? It gets better. Mm. <laughs> you, you, you think that when you're in your twenties, that, that life is great and it just keeps getting better and better because I feel like the longer you're with yourself, the long, the more you get to know yourself and the, the more time that you take, um, to really delve into to who you are, the more in love, I think you can, you can fall with yourself. And so it just keeps getting better and better. I feel that way too with, you know, with kids, you know, people say, Oh, you know, at some point it's got a peak, but every year I think, gosh, this is such a great year with my kids. I want mm -hmm. them to stay this age forever, but then it just keeps getting better and better. My, my son is now 15. And I would have thought, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, gosh, that's so old. And now I love that I get to see these moments where he's turning into a man. And I see these glimpses of him as an adult. And I have these conversations with him. And it really is amazing. It just does. It keeps getting better and better. Well said. I hope everyone sees that advice, not only uh, at age 20, but I hope they hear it loud and clear today. That uh, whether you are on top of the mountain or you are buried underneath it, that uh, it gets better. So hang on for it. So Tanya, this is question number seven. It has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? She taught people how to live with priority all while keeping her own at the center. Mm. Tanya Dalton, teacher, leader, writer, business owner, mother, spouse, friend, Thank you for spending some time with us on the Live Inspired Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I loved every minute. My friends, that is Tanya Dalton. She's awesome. You definitely want to check out her work. We'll have links to it on our show notes. This is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live Inspired.